Champions, the making of champions. We've been exploring the lives of men and women throughout the scripture who put their faith in Jesus, uh, put their faith in God, and thereby became champions of the faith. It wasn't because of the work that they had done. It wasn't because of their own merit. It was because of the faith that they put in God. And so today I want to open the series, the sermon, with one scripture, and then we'll pray and, and then we'll dive in. The scripture is found in the book of Joshua, first chapter of the book of Joshua, verse 2, says this. This is God speaking to Joshua. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, <laughs> pretty quick turnaround. Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. Let me read that one more time. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. Today I want to preach for the next few moments on the subject barrier to entry. Barrier to entry. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's still our hearts and pray. God, you are great. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are just and righteous. And we stand before you humbly today and sit before you humbly today with our ears and our hearts open to receive your word. I pray that your spirit would soften and prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. I pray, Lord God, that I would speak in a way that is clear and truthful and that brings transformation through your word into the hearts and lives of everyone listening. We thank you, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. A few weeks ago, my, my wife and I purchased a new car for her. And when I say new, I mean new to us. It was, it's new to us. Uh, we retired the 2011 minivan. And she's been wanting to retire that vehicle for many years. And we finally retired the car and, and bought a new car that she's very excited about. And when we bought the car, since it was used, they, they only gave us one key. And it was one of those fobs, not like the old, old style. It wasn't that old, okay? It was used, but not that used. So it, 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 they gave us only one key fob. So we immediately made a mental note. We got to go get a second key fob made because if something happens, you know, uh, we won't be able to get in the car. So we said, yeah, let's do that. But you know how life is sometimes. You forget stuff. You forget to do things. And so one night, this is just a few weeks ago, uh, the family and I, we're, we're all out to eat at a little restaurant. We come out of the restaurant. We're heading over to my wife's car. And we get up to the car, and we can't find the keys. We can't find the keys to the car. So I mean, we literally just drove to the restaurant. So the keys have to be somewhere. So we go back in the restaurant, and we're starting to look around. We were the last people to leave the restaurant, so there's nobody else in there. We're looking around on the floor, no keys. We go to the employees, you know, can anybody see keys? No, nobody saw keys. Can, can we go through the trash, we say. So they're like, I mean, okay, you know, but that's probably not in there. But anyway, we go through the trash, no keys. No joke, y'all. We literally, like this is, like an hour is passing. We're trying to find the keys. We went to the dumpster behind the restaurant. I promise, ask my children. We're like, we're like going into the dumpster, getting bags out to, to find, because if we don't have the key, we can't get in the car. I mean, we only had one key to this car. 
So, so we're in the dumpster. We cannot find the keys. We go through all my pockets. No keys. We go through her purse, Rebecca's purse. No keys. We like, we like, we like, we like search the children. We do like a stop and, stop and, what do they call it? Stop and frisk. Yeah. And um, we, we, cannot, we cannot find the keys. So we're literally, it's like late at night now. We cannot get into the car. And we have no way of getting in the car. So, so, so we finally had to call the locksmith. And it wasn't as easy as like getting us in the car because the key wasn't in the car either. And it wasn't as easy as duplicating a key because we didn't have a key to duplicate. They literally had to make a new key to get us into the car. Okay, so $375 later, we're driving home. What's particularly frustrating about a moment like this is, is we're, we're accustomed to barriers to entry into places that don't belong to us. But we don't like to be impeded from entering a, a place that is ours. Like, we, we had the deed to the car. We had the title to the car. We owned the car, but we couldn't get into the car. All of us will experience barriers to entry in life in, in various fields when we're trying to move into a different stage of life or a different sphere of life. Let's say you want to become a barber. There's a barrier to entry. You've got to get a barber's license. If you want to become a real estate agent, uh, you've got to get a real estate license. That's a barrier to entry. If you want to become uh, a lawyer, you've got to first pass the law school admissions test. If you want to become a doctor, you've got to pass the medical school admissions test. There's, you know, there, there's barriers to entry in life. You want to be a financial advisor. There's a series seven test. There are barriers to entry in all areas of life, right? There are these barriers to entry, and we're accustomed to them, and we just have to learn to get through them. But what we're not accustomed to is a barrier to entry to something that is already ours. If you've ever been locked out of your house, or locked out of your car, or locked out of your office, you're like, I own that. I'm supposed to be able to get in there. When we meet the children of Israel in this moment in the book of Joshua, they have been promised a land. God had promised them the land across the Jordan River is yours. It wasn't called the land of desire. It wasn't called the wouldn't it be nice to have land. It wasn't called the I want to have that land. It was called the promised land. God had promised the children of Israel that's yours. But for 40 years, they had been wandering around the desert, not able to cross the barrier of entry called the Jordan River into the land that God had promised. There, they, they had had three stages in their story. And those three stages are the same stages that you and I experience spiritually. For them, it was physical. For us, it's spiritual. I'm going to put it up on the screen. There are three stages. The stage of Egypt the stage of the wilderness, and the stage of the promised land. The stage of Egypt for them was actual literal bondage, slavery. For us, all of us, every single one of us, if you're here today, you have been or are currently in the land of Egypt. You've either been in your past bound by sin, bound by condemnation, bound by shame, or you're, 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 you're still in that stage. Some, some of us might be in that stage right now. Many of us, many of us have come out of that stage. The, the Israelites, under the leadership of Moses, were led out through deliverance by God out of Egypt into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is an interesting state. It's an interesting place because they were no longer in bondage, but they also were not experiencing the blessing of God. They, they were free, but they were not fulfilled. 
Anybody with me this morning? It's, it's that stage of life where you're no longer bound by sin. You're, you've been forgiven and redeemed by Christ, but you're not literally living in and walking in the fullness of what God has for you. You're still frustrated. You're still not able to enter into the peace and the love of God. You're still, your relationships are still strained because you're not flowing in the righteousness and love of God. You're, you're in this weird space where you're, you've been liberated, but you're not living in, in, in the fullness of who you are. So then there's the third stage, which is the promised land. So for the Israelites, the promised land was literally a land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land on the other side of the Jordan River. The question is, spiritually, what is the promised land for us? The promised land for us is the land or the life that is lived out in accordance with the promises of God for us. The scripture is filled with promises about the lives of Christians. When many of us hear about the promised land, we think of heaven. We think, well, you know, we'll enter into the promised land when we go to heaven. But that's not what the scripture teaches. I mean, that's part of what it teaches. But the reality is the promises of God are not just for the future. The promises of God are for the present. And and there are hundreds of them throughout the scripture. And I'm going to read you seven. All right. So get ready. We're going to go through seven really quickly. These are seven promises of God for you that are not about your future. They're about your present. Are you ready? First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise in the present. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise for you in the present. Isaiah fifty four ten. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. That's a promise for you in the present. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding, and it will be given to you. That's a promise for you in the present. Am I going too fast, y'all? You still, okay, okay, I'm going too fast. All right, let me slow it down. <laughs> Deuteronomy 31, 6. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a promise for you in the present. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's a promise for you in the present. One more, ready? Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That is a promise for you in the present. So when we ask the question, what is the promised land? What does the promised land mean for you and I, those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who are, who are believers and are following Jesus, here's the promised land. You can write this down, and I'll leave this slide up for a second. All right? Here it is. The promised land, according to the scripture, for us is a life filled with the manifest presence, power, peace, provision, and purpose of God at all times and in all circumstances. This is what is promised to followers of Jesus. That we will live a life that is, that is, that is defined by the manifest presence of God. The mani- manifest presence of God's power, peace, provision, purpose for our lives in the present. So, so some of us right now are still in Egypt. Some of us are still in bondage, the bondage of slavery, because we have not put our faith in Jesus. We've not been delivered from the sin uh, that, that so easily entangles us and ensnares us. And if you're in that space right now, if you're in that stage of your spiritual life, you know that. You know that you're there. 
you know that you haven't been freed, right? Many of us are not in that Egyptian stage. We're in the wilderness stage where we have been freed, but we're not living into the fullness of the power, the presence, the peace, and the provision of God. We know it's there, but we're not living into it. What I want to get us to do today is to begin to enter into the promised land. For too long, Christians have put so much of an emphasis on deliverance from bondage that we, what, we, what we're doing is introducing the starting gate instead of the finishing line. We're telling people, hey, here's the, here's the way to find Jesus. And it's true. Put your faith in Jesus and he'll forgive your sins. But that's just the beginning of the Christian life. That's not the end of the story. That's the beginning. At a certain point, we need to begin to walk in the promises of God. We need to walk in the promised land. So how do we move from this wilderness stage all the way into the promises of God? How do we get into what God has already promised us? How do we get through the barriers of entry in our life into what God has promised us? Are you all with me this morning? Are you, you understand where we're going with this? Okay. Fortunately, there's a roadmap. And the roadmap is the Israelite story of wandering in the wilderness that we're pick, picking up today in the book of Joshua. Because you see, God had told Moses, I'm going to put you into the promised land. I'm going to lead you into the promised land. But Moses, in his leadership, wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. They were able to enter the promised land because it had been promised, but they never did. So then God says to Moses in Joshua chapter 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. What I, what I love about this passage is the shift from Moses is dead now then you go and get the land that I promised you. If, if you and I want to step into the fullness of what God has for us, here's what he's saying. We need to release the past and we need to reach for the promise. We need to release the past. Moses is dead. And now you step into the promise that I have for you. Sometimes we don't, we don't move into the promises of God for our life because we're still holding on to things from our past. We're still holding on to failures from our past, disappointments from our past, shame from our past, condemnation from our past. Where does your mind go? Does it, does it wander back to the things that happened to you, or does it wander towards the promises of God for you? That'll tell you. Are you, are you holding on to the past, or are you reaching, reaching for the promises of God? In December, December 17th of last year, there was an amazing, amazing football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Indianapolis Colts. And the, the, the game started really badly for the Vikings. I mean, just really badly. Uh, they, Kirk Cousins threw a pick six pretty early, and, and, and the Indianapolis Colts just started scoring. Touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. By halftime, the score was 33-0. to zero. Indianapolis Colts were just creaming the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, just totally destroying them. Um, that, was the, that was such a huge deficit that no team in NFL history has ever come back from a 33-0 to zero deficit ever in the history of the NFL. Not one time. The Vikings go into the locker room, 
And they're all sort of moping around. They're frustrated. Some people are banging lockers. Some people are saying words that we can't say with children around. And, and just, they're mad. They're ticked off. We shouldn't say them anyway. With or without children. All right. Let me clear that up. <laughs> uh, so they're in the locker room, angry, because they're just getting smeared 33 to 0. And then one of the defensive cornerbacks, a guy named Patrick Peterson. And now he's the defensive cornerman, cornerback, okay? That, his defense had allowed 33 points to score against him, okay? If it's me and I'm on the defense and it's 33 to 0, I'm not feeling great. I'm probably sitting on the locker room with my head, head down and not feeling so wonderful. Patrick Peterson walks over to the offense, and here's what he says. He says, we're going to stop them, talking about the defense. All you need to do is score five touchdowns. That's nothing. <laughs> That's a direct quote. He says, we're going to stop. We're going to stop. We're going to stop. They're not going to score anymore on us. The only thing you guys have to do is do something that's never been done in the history of the NFL. All you got to do is score five touchdowns. That's nothing. You guys got that. That's easy. We'll, we'll, we'll overcome this 33-0 to zero deficit. Now, it's one thing for him to say, but Kirk Cousins, the quarterback, heard him say it. First, he thought he was being sarcastic, but he realized he actually means this. Kirk Cousins looks up and says this, you're exactly right. That's all we have to do. All we have to do is forget that we got smeared 33 to 0 in the first half. And all we have to do, if you promised you're going to stop them in the second half, all we have to do is score five touchdowns. That's nothing, right? Indianapolis Colts and the Vikings take the field in the second half. And it is, you got to just go on YouTube and just watch the highlights, okay? It is a barn burner. The Vikings just start moving down the field. Kirk Cousins has a career high, 460 yards all the way down the field. It goes all the way to overtime. They have racked up the score all the way to overtime, almost to the point where they, they are, are winning. They're actually tied at overtime, 30, uh, 36 to 36. With three seconds left in overtime, they kick a field goal. They win 39 to zero, right? Why? They, they did something that could never have, Never has ever been done in the NFL history. They did it because they had to forget the first half. He said, look, we're, we're going to stop them, right? What, no matter what happened in the past, we're going to stop them. They forgot the past, and they began to reach for the promise. If you and I want to move forward into what God has for us, there's a time we need to have a locker room talk with ourselves. We need to get into the locker room with ourselves and say, hey, you know what? We need to step into what God has for us. I know that we've been fumbling the ball. I know we've been throwing interceptions. I know that I'm not playing my best game. But every once in a while, I need to stop. And like David, I need to encourage myself in the Lord and say, God, I'm ready to move into your promises. I'm tired of living in the wilderness, wandering around, looking across the, the, the barrier to entry for something that belongs to me. That's number one. I might just preach that one the rest of the day. Just that, that's number one. God keeps talking uh, to 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 Joshua, before I get into what Joshua is saying, I'm going to give you one more verse that the Apostle Paul says. And this caps, captures it spiritually better than, than I could. He says this, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but he said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Then he says this very famously, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't already reached, reached it. But one thing I do, somebody say forgetting. 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to move into what God has for you, y'all, I'm talking about peace in your life, power in your life, provision, the presence of God in your life. Sometimes we need to let go of the past and we need to press toward the promise. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So God says this to Joshua and Joshua embraces this, but, but also Joshua knows that the people are filled with fear. They've always been filled with fear. Um, they, they were filled with fear for 40 years. That's why they didn't enter into the promised land. So God speaks into Joshua's life. Verse 5, it says this. God continues to speak to Joshua and says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. He says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Here's my favorite verse. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just pause on that. Soak that in. God's with you right now. He's with you. He's not left you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong, he says, and very courageous. That's twice. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. That's three times. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. If you want to walk in the, in the courage of God, if you want to walk into the promises of God, you've got to acknowledge the presence of God's power in every circumstance in your life. You've got to acknowledge the presence of God's power. This was Moses' problem. Moses' problem, if you remember, if you were here last week, every time God said, I want you to do something, Moses said, but I'm not good enough, and I'm not smart enough, and I'm not able to, and I don't have enough influence, and I'm not capable. And every time God said, but I am, but I am, but I am, but I am. What, what was happening is Moses was rightly afraid, right? Because on his own, he could not have done it. But he also was not acknowledging the presence of God in his life. He was not recognizing that it wasn't about him. It was about the presence of God's power in his life for God to do through him whatever it is that he wanted him to do. Joshua, God is telling Joshua, acknowledge the, pr the presence of my power. He says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? For I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is why you can be strong and courageous because I am with you. They had the power to enter the promised land the whole time. They just didn't know it. They had the power the whole time. They just didn't realize it. They didn't realize that the presence of God was with them in that moment. A few days after we came home from the car scenario, the car fiasco, we'll call it, we're in the kitchen and Rebecca comes walking in and she holds something up. And I go, what's that? She goes, that's, that's the original key to my car. I go, where was it? Because we looked everywhere, y'all. Did I tell you we looked in the dumpster? We looked in the dumpster. Okay. We looked everywhere. Rebecca had a little hole in the lining of her purse. I'm telling you, the key slipped down the hole between the lining and the leather of the purse. So when we emptied the purse out, it wasn't there. The reality was we actually had the power to enter the car the whole time. We just didn't realize it. 
We went through a lot of frustration not being able to get through a barrier of entry that we actually had the access to get through. We not only had the title and the deed, we actually had the key. We were able to enter the car. We just didn't know we had the ability to enter the car. God is saying to somebody today, you actually have the ability right now to step into the promises of God. You actually have the, the ability right now in this moment to enter into my presence and my peace and my provision and my purpose for you. But you have to acknowledge the presence of the power of God in order to enter into the promised land that God has for you. I should just end right there. <laughs> Somebody needs that today. But God keeps talking to Joshua. Verse 7, he says this. Here's the one we don't like. Be careful. So after be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous, I'm with you. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. Somebody write this down. God will bless you only where he has brought you. <laughs> God will not prosper you where he has not pointed you. Sometimes we are saying, God, why can't I enter into this desire that I have? He says, that's not my promise for you. God, I want you to bless my vision. God says, no, no, no. I want you to acknowledge my vision. We want God to bless our desires. God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. I, I'm going to put the desires in your heart to follow me, to pursue me. But I need you to come after my vision. I will bless you pursuing my vision. I will not bless you pursuing your vision. <laughs> Y'all wanted me to stop at point two, didn't you? You just wish we would have stopped there. I'm going to read you one scripture. This is not, in your, this is not on the slides. James 4.3. We love the first part of the scripture. It says this. You do not have because you do not ask God. We go, man, we just ask God and we'll receive. Yes. But then James says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're like, God, will you just honor my pleasure? He said, not until you honor my promise. Don't turn from it from the left or to the right. He says, I want you to follow my law. Meditate on it day and night. Then you will be successful and prosper. <laughs> God's saying, look, I, 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 want to, I want to prosper you. I want to walk you into the promises of God. But you need to follow my word. You need to go where I'm taking you. I cannot bless you where I, where I, haven't, where I haven't brought you. I cannot, I cannot prosper you where I haven't pointed you. And then God says one more thing. This is the last thing. And this is the best thing. This is my favorite part. Ready? He says to Joshua, okay, here's, here's how you're going to cross this this boundary to entry, this barrier to entry. Here's how you're going to do it. Joshua chapter 3, verse 8. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, I want you to get this, okay? Because this has been the barrier to entry the whole time, right? And we know that God has the ability to hold back the water. But in this case, he says, I actually want you to go and stand in the river. Go get wet. Go stand in the river. And then verse 13, he says, And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and will stand up in a heap. I need you to get the order of this, y'all. 
God doesn't say, I'll stop the water and then you go cross. He says, you go get in the water and then I'll stop the water. He says, you, I'm, I'm not going to stop it so that you can take a step. He said, I want you to take a step and then I'll stop it. Come on, somebody. He, he, here's what he's saying. You ready? Last point. God often calls us to demonstrate our faith before he demonstrates his faithfulness. Sometimes God is saying to you, hey, I need you to put your faith in me, and I need you to show me that you put your faith in me by taking the step before I fix all the circumstances for you. Do you know it was, we'll, we'll find this in just a second, it was, the, it, was the, it was the flood season in the Jordan. So it wasn't a little trickle. The waters were flooded, and he told the priest, go stand in the water. Listen, when, when Jesus called Peter to step out of the boat, there was a storm. God, Jesus didn't stop the storm when Peter stepped out of the boat. He waited till they got back in the boat, then he stopped the storm. He said, I want you to learn how to walk on water in the storm. The only way you can learn to walk on water in the storm is to put your faith in me. That's the only way that's going to work. You've got to actually step out and demonstrate your faith. God didn't provide the ram to Abraham before Abraham lifted the knife. Abraham had to lift the knife, and then God provided the lamb. God didn't slay Goliath before David walked down into the valley with his little sling and his five stones. He had to go down with a sling and five stones before God defeated the, the giant. Sometimes God is saying to somebody, listen, I need you to demonstrate your faith, and then I'm going to demonstrate my faithfulness. Are you with me, somebody? Th that means there's some element of risk involved. That means there's some element where you are, you are not certain about the outcome. You know, there was a chance that they weren't going to win, Right? They, they were trusting God that they were going to win. In fact, the, re, the whole reason they went in is that, is, is that Joshua had been a spy years earlier under Moses. Oh, just let me finish. I'm going to finish this and I'm going to wrap it up. Joshua, there had been 12 spies. Moses sent 12 spies into the land earlier. And they all came back. Ten of the spies, you know what they said? They said, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. We'll get crushed if we go in there. But you know what Joshua and Caleb said? Joshua said, hey, the Lord is with us. It doesn't matter how big they are. It matters how big God is. Like, like, like you're comparing us to them. I'm comparing them to God. I'm comparing the problem to the size of God. I'm comparing the strength of my enemy to the size of the Lord that I serve. And God is with us, so we need to step in. We need, so, so, so for some of us today, we need to be able and willing to take a step of faith before we're going to see God's faithfulness demonstrated in our life. How do we do this? I'm going to give you a formula because I just want to break it down nice and easy, okay? How do we move from fear to courage, right? How, what, what is, what's, what's, the, what's the missing gap, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, courage is fear plus what? Faith. Fear plus faith equals courage. Every follower of Jesus, every follower of God in the Bible, when faced with a frightening situation, had the natural response that you and I would have. Fear. And God said, here's the way to handle fear. Don't, it's, it's not going to disappear. Put your faith in me. When you put your faith in me, that will trump your fear. You'll be courageous. You'll be strong and courageous. Put your trust in me. Some of us just need to take a step of faith today. I'm going to close with this. I know you know how the story ends, but it's still inspiring to read it. Joshua 3, 15 through 17. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. 
Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, and as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The entire nation entered through the barrier to entry because they put their faith in God. I just just want this to sit with somebody today. Some of you are wandering in the wilderness of life. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're anxious. You're upset. And you're free. You're delivered from sin. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. Right? You're not walking in guilt and shame and condemnation, but you keep running up against these barriers to entry into a land that is promised to you. God said, I need you to take a step of faith. I need you to trust me. I need you to put your hope in me. I need you to trust that I've got your, 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 your good in mind. I will take you where you need to go. Put your faith in me. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? I want, to cha- I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you at Shaw U City online. I want, to, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith today. Whatever it is. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine are. I need a few steps in a few areas. But I want to challenge you to take a step of faith today. To put your trust in God in the very circumstance that is causing you so much frustration and anxiety. And the circumstance that right now is causing you so much pain. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you. Put your faith. Put your faith in God. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. Knowing that your promises are for us, but still sometimes stopping short of them. Free from bondage. And yet not walking in the promise. Not yet walking in the fulfillment of what you have destined us to do we're delivered but not walking in our destiny and we we come before you this morning god and we just say we put our trust in you we're letting go of our own past our own failures our own sins and condemnation shame the 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 slavery and bondage of our own behavior and our own addictions and all the things that that are behind us We're, we're just letting go of that we're releasing that and we are reaching towards the promise that you have for us and we're going to trust you with everything we've got We're going to obey you with everything we've got. We're going to walk into the fullness of what you have for us. Not just individually, but as a church. You've you've got a vision for where you want to take us as a church. We're going after your promises. We're going after the, the promises of God. We're letting go of the past. We're reaching for the promise. And God, I just pray that each and every one of us today would would open our hearts and put our faith in you. That we would say, Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We repent of our sin. We turn away from it. We turn our hearts and lives and minds toward you. And we are stepping in by faith towards the promises that you have for us. Let us walk in your presence. Let us walk in your power. Let us walk in your peace. Let us walk in your provision. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.